As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. Every single day I come in here, I think about winning. You know, I don't do this year round to come in and not make the playoffs. I'm sick of that shit and uh, I want to keep winning. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to an off-season edition of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. The Raiders finished 8-9. and nine. They got the win in the season finale. They got Antonio Pierce to 5-4 and four during his interim stretch uh, with the win over the Denver Broncos on Sunday. And now we wait. We wait to see what happens. You know, does he get the head coaching job? Does Champ Kelly get the GM job? This week in the NFL is all about people requesting interviews with everybody. And we know there's a whole process now that you can't do in-person interviews until after the divisional round. We figure this will probably take some time, but that's where we're at. We're right into the coaching search. And Sunday was the last opportunity for Antonio Pierce to make his case on the field. And he made another pretty demonstrative case with a convincing win over a divisional opponent. Yeah, I thought they couldn't have gone out a better way. I think uh, from you know the overall performance of the team to the you know player support to the fans chanting his name to like uh, just all these great images of him you know, on the field and in the locker room and old uh, alumni coming back and they're you know embracing him. So he kind of hit every note he had to hit. I think so. If you look back on you know, his audition tape, I guess he was five and four, and if they're in every game, I think I'm not sure what he really could have done any better to kind of prove his case. So. Um, I know Mark Davis has got a lot of options. He's going to, like you said, take his time, and uh, there's some big names. But uh, I think if you're Antonio Pierce, you got to feel pretty good about your chances. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously, you know, their goal was to make the playoffs. But I, I do think that, you know, them going out and having that kind of performance after knowing that they had no shot of making the playoffs, like still having the players locked in enough to put forth that type of effort and have a strong performance in the season when they really – didn't really have much to play for. Um, I guess you always are kind of, you know, playing to put good good film on tape and maybe, you know, get a get a new contract in off season. But, you know, it didn't really seem like anything changed, um, even though they uh the postseason was out of sight for them. So I think it just kind of reiterated the hold that he had on the locker room and 
you know, that the guys want him, you know, to be back as, as their head coach next year and, and see what they can build on. To me, it just seems like it's either you shoot for the moon and go for a huge name like Harbaugh or Belichick. I mean, because you kind of have to do your due diligence, you know, as, as far as looking into those guys with the um, just the, the strong pool of coaching candidates you have in this cycle. I think you just have to to at least do your due diligence before just giving the job to a AP, but it just seems like things will head that way unless they're able to complete one of these big swings. Yeah, I mean, if you talk about the big swings, there's Jim Harbaugh, there's Bill Belichick, you know, not quite as big of a swing, but Mike Brable is out there now after his kind of surprise firing in Tennessee. I think when you look at like Belichick and Brable, if you're Mark Davis and you just kind of came off of the Patriot way and you, you watched the last two months where you got back to, you know, the so-called Raider way, you know, and Belichick obviously is different because he's he's the guy that's won. He's not the the discount Patriot way like they that they ended up getting. It might be hard to go back to that Patriot way. And to me, with Harbaugh, like, I think Harbaugh was the hire to make two years ago. I think that I was on board. I think they should have hired him two years ago. I think they made a mistake when they didn't, and they went with Josh McDaniels this time around. Not that he would be any worse of a hire. Uh, I just feel like he's probably going to be more in demand. And it seems like from everything I'm hearing that. The Chargers are pretty much all in on him and that he seems to prefer that. I know Matt Barrows wrote on Thursday for us that uh, that, that that's what he's hearing is that he he sees some similarities with the Chargers and, and the 49ers team that he took over. So I think, you know, I think two years ago, if they had offered Jim Harper the job, he's their coach right now. And, and we're in a whole different situation, whereas I, I think this time around, it's going to be uh, a little bit different situation to try to go hire Harbaugh. You know, from a financial standpoint, I don't think they were if they feel like Harbaugh is a guy they want to go get him. I mean. You know, with, with the way that their financial situation has improved since they've been in Vegas broadly, but even the last couple of years, like, I'm not sure the Chargers would, you know, outbid them necessarily if they, they really wanted to. I don't think it's a financial thing with Harbaugh. I mean, I don't think Harbaugh is going to take the biggest contract. He's going to look at the situations and which situation does he like best. I don't, you know, I mean, and everything the Chargers are saying is it, it seems like the Chargers are out to prove that they are willing to spend on a coach. And so they're, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be a, a scenario where the Raiders can just say, well, hey, if the Chargers are only offering you $12 million, we'll give you $16 million and, and you'll come here. I, I don't sense that that's going to be what it's going to come down to if you're Harbaugh. Yeah, I'm sure like Justin Herbert and uh, I know they're in salary cap hell, so we'll see what the roster ends up looking like after they get under the cap this year. But, you know, I guess you could say from an on-field perspective, maybe the Chargers or, you know, whether it's living in South California again and, you know, his ties there, obviously, uh, from his, his coaching career and, you know, maybe having his family there as a preference for him. So I'm sure there's other factors, but, you know, I still think of somebody, you know, like especially the, the amount of, I know he's had a lot of off the field shit you know this year in particular at Michigan but like everywhere he's been he's been a great head coach pretty much and you know if he's willing to have an interview you know with you you definitely still pursue it but beyond him I mean like you said like I think the whole Patriot way thing again like with Belichick and Vrabel like I don't think it would be anything short of a revolt if they tried to do that shit again in terms of the locker room reaction to that and the repercussions it would have for the Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs of the world and whatnot and so you know, I think if you're going to not bring back AP, it can't be to do the Patriot way thing again. Like, that's just, that can't be an option. I know Vrabel is from that Patriot tree, but I don't know if he's like a real Patriot way type of guy. He seems like a player's coach to me. I mean, I, I know he's probably a disciplinarian, but I don't think he's a disciplinarian in a type of way that, you know, the, the typical Patriot way type of guys were as far as uh, just kind of restricting players and not 
letting them be themselves, quote unquote. And maybe some of that was kind of pushed to the limits by Josh McDaniels. But just going back to the, the Jim Harbaugh thing real quick, if you look at the, the two situations with the the Raiders and Chargers, the Chargers do have one of the things that you look for most in a team is you have that franchise quarterback, but everything else is a complete mess. I mean, like, you know, like you guys talked about, you have the salary cap, the salary cap deal, you know, there's questions to why they deal with the injury bugs. Are, are they spending enough money on, you know, the, the medical side of things? And when you look at the Raiders, you know, they, they have some salary cap flexibility. Um, there's some, you know, pieces on this team you, you could, you could work with. Um, obviously you have the facilities situationally. I would say the Raiders are a little bit better if you look at the overall situation, but of course, just that franchise quarterback might be the thing that's, that swings everything. And if you're a new coach, I'm not sure that better is actually good because that kind of shortens your window. I think that's probably one of the things that Marcus got to really think about because, like, this current group with you know, Champ and Antonio, they're kind of messages like, hey, we have this you know foundation we built. We're ready to go. We're ready to, like, win next year, make the playoffs. So that's kind of the message. Like, we've we've done the work, and now we're ready to, to go to the next level. Whereas if a new coach comes in, a new GM, and they're going to want a, a bit longer window. Right? Because, you know, we're not, we're not ready for the playoffs quite yet because – you got to, like, you know, look at the roster. We got to look at our draft picks. So I think and they may well compete whoever the coach is next year. But I think when you have a new regime come in, there's always kind of a step back. There should be at least for that new regime to kind of, hey, let's let's look at the big picture. Let's kind of get our foundation set and our, our culture and the whole word everyone throws around. But so I think if you are Mark Davis and you do want to win, like he says, he wants to win now, maybe that's another argument for, for going with Antonio and, and Champ. Can you imagine if the Chargers get hardball? That means that. In the AFC West, they have to compete with Harbaugh, Andy Reid, and Sean Payton. You know that that's that's tough to go against uh, division wise. There's no Raider way. The whole thing we don't care who we go against. We're we're the Raiders. We're just going to crush everybody and pound. We don't care who who's coaching the other side. Yeah, yeah. When was the last time that happened? <laughs> <laughs> they do this year. Yeah, no. They do. Yeah. I mean, see, one thing about Harbaugh, you know, Vicky's talking about taking a step back. I mean, I, he's not a take a step back type of coach. I mean, you look at the 49ers teams that he took over that were terrible. Now they had like, they had pieces on their roster, you know, and they had the framework to be pretty decent, but they had been terrible. And like, he comes in and just immediately elevates him. And that's kind of what he's been. He, he's a guy that immediately, immediately elevates. So I don't think he would come in to the Raiders and, and say, Oh, well, we need to take a step back. I think he would take it on as a challenge. Like, no, I want to win right away. I think the tricky thing I think in terms of Harbaugh is what was kind of one of the vibes, you know, when he went to, to was Minnesota he interviewed last year or two years ago. And, you know, he kind of walked in there with the vibe, like, Oh, you, you're bringing me in for an interview. Like it's kind of a formality that I'm getting the job. I feel like that's probably still the, the approach, especially after winning the national championship, he's, going to have to some degree like he's not coming in to interview and you know he's coming in to interview you probably as much as you're interviewing him and and i just don't know if you're in the situation where you're still kind of you know you have antonio pierce there where you that you're interested in that you're going to what kind of interview are you going to have with jim harbaugh where you know you're you're gonna really learn a whole lot and kind of find out like oh do we want you over antonio pierce like is that even an interview that he accepts if he knows that it's not a certain thing that he's getting a job or getting a job offer? I wasn't saying he's not going to try to win next year. But I'm saying let's take the example of Devontae Adams. Like Devontae Adams should come in as a new regime. Looking at his contract, he's going to make $24 million next year, like 40 the year after that. So he's not a long-term fix. So you can try and win, but maybe you decide we're better off you know, getting draft picks for Devontae now and kind of still trying to win. But we got to make some changes in this roster if that fit our – 
our plans. So I'm just wondering, like, I think that with AP and Champ right now, it's pretty much the roster is not set, but you have a foundation like you've talked about and guys that you want to go forward with, the players have backed these guys. So this is kind of your squad with some tinkering, with some phrasing additions, some draft picks. But you're kind of saying we have this thing on the right track, whereas I, I'm not taking a step back, maybe the wrong choice of words, but I think hardball, you're going to have to look at the roster and you're going to tweak it. You're going to make some changes, which, and you won't know that if the, you know, the continuity factor may be gone as far as this roster and what you're trying to build this year. I mean, they have like $50 million in cap space and all their draft picks. I don't think you necessarily need to like tear down to like shape the roster in your image. I think they have a lot of roster flexibility um, from that standpoint. And we've seen a, a few like first year head coaches the last couple of years, but it looked like D'Amico Ryans with the Texans this year. Like they made some pretty big changes, like going and getting a new quarterback and um, retooling the defensive personnel, but a lot of that foundation or foundational players that they have are already on the roster, you know, whereas Laramie Tunsil or, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of the personnel hasn't changed. Um, so I think there's still a way you can like retool this because they're going to need a new quarterback e- either way, like whether it's AP and, and Champ or Jim Harbaugh and Ed Dodds, like you need a new quarterback, you're going to have to bring in a new offensive coordinator, most likely. You know, I still think offensive line, like throughout the defense, I, I still think this is a roster. I don't think this is like a set roster by any means. So I think either way, there's going to be a fair amount of retooling from that standpoint. And so I don't think that should necessarily preclude you from bringing in somebody new if you feel like that's what gives you the best chance to to win moving forward. Don't you guys feel better about where this roster is, you know, let's say midseason, you know, there's some young defensive pieces you know, the offensive line does. You know, you need a, f- a few more starters, but I thought Parham played well, and I still think he should move to to center. You know, maybe Mumford could be could be a guy that could be uh, a starter for you. So I, I think this roster is a little further along than we think it is, and you know, I think if you put in a quarterback and upgrade a few pieces, it could could be a roster that is ready to win. I mean, they they won a lot of games down to down to stretch. You mentioned D'Amico, and I mean, they did a great job this year, but the Texans added in the draft their best offensive player and their best defensive player. So I mean, that's a, that's a pretty whirlwind uh, change for a team. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, in terms of like, obviously they drop, added just some, some, CJ Stroud, you know? they added some very impactful players, but like I'm saying like most of their roster is still like essentially like there's a lot of roster continuity there, even though they had a, and obviously they had the same GM, so it's a little bit different, but even though they had a head coaching change, like D'Amico was able to put his hands on it without like fundamentally restructuring the roster necessarily. Um, like again, the Raiders are going to need, they need a quarterback, like whoever their coach is, like they ain't winning shit next year if they don't find a quarterback this offseason really regardless of if it's AP or Jim Harbaugh. In my old Alameda Rec League team, if we add Kevin Durant, we're pretty good. So, I, I hey mean, man, I mean, what it, you think they're you think they're winning next year with Aiden O'Connell? We can't minimize the impact of them getting CJ Stroud. I mean, they, they no, added, yeah, but they need a maybe a, a top ten quarterback, you know, in the draft, yeah. and, and suddenly that that I think that I mean, I give D'Amico a lot of credit. I mean, he's a great coach, but at adding in a maybe a top ten quarterback. Makes a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, like, my thing is just, like, the Raiders, they have to, they, they're going to have to find a quarterback this offseason. So I think that's something that, like, whether it's AP or Jim Harbaugh, like, if they miss on the quarterback, like, their their chances of winning are not going to be good either way. Come on, Aiden O'Connell, last four games, oh, eight geez. touchdowns, no picks, 98.4 rated. No, 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 nobody's buying that? We're not, we're, not, we're not buying the hype of that? You got to give him credit. I mean, definitely, he definitely got better as far as not turning the ball over, and he definitely stood tough in the pocket. So he's not... 
I don't think any of us think he's the guy, but I think he's definitely proven he's an NFL quarterback. He's definitely going to be a backup, I think, for a while. Uh, and definitely he's earned a chance just based on if whatever, I mean, uh, again, this is with the current staff and the current roster. He's earned a chance to at least compete for the job next year. I mean, you, you may not think he's going to win it, but you got to say, you know what, he, what we bring in, he's got a chance to, to beat him out, which is only fair, but obviously that changes to get a new, a new coach, a new GM. But um, yeah, they definitely need a quarterback. There's no, no question. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you should go into next season hoping that, you know, or or just go into next season with Okano and and think that he's your your future quarterback, but I mean, he's played he played some tough defenses this year. He's gotten better and I, you know, he's shown I think he's shown enough to where you you think he could at least be maybe a a baseline quarterback. You know, I don't, I, I don't think his ceiling is that high, but I don't think he's a a, a terrible terrible option based on what he, what he's shown and again you're, you're looking upgrade in that position and i don't know do you, do you guys think that the raiders continue their defensive trajectory and maybe be one of the top defenses like they play they played like towards the uh, end of last season or this season uh well i think that'll depend on whether uh the guy that orchestrated it or most of it i guess patrick graham is back next year because he uh i know the chargers requested him for a head coaching interview and with eight openings, I would be surprised if Patrick Graham didn't get at least one more team requesting to interview to potentially uh, hire him as their next head coach. Um, so I think a lot of that depends on what happens with Patrick Graham, honestly. It does seem like the Raiders are, are – I mean, we've already heard that they – what blocked it was the Giants requested to interview him, I think, for defensive coordinator, and they said no. They're going to try to hold on to him as the D.C. I mean, obviously – Depends on the new head coach. That person will ultimately decide if he wants to keep him. But um, the Raiders, obviously, they're, they're not – they don't want to just let him go unless it's a head coaching job. Okay, they did, did a nice job of uh, – the supporting cast this year got better on defense. I think – and if you can picture, maybe add in the free agency or a draft, like an impact tackle or maybe like a linebacker who can make some more plays. And the linebackers had the super fine, but an impact guy, one of those two spots, definitely can see the, the potential for that defense to take another jump next year. Yeah, speaking of requests, what we um... – what, what do we make of the significance of Antonio Pierce getting requested to interview with the Tennessee Titans? I mean, if you're Antonio, uh, I mean, I think that's a good sign that it's not just, okay, you're up for the Raiders job. And if that doesn't happen, okay, we'll, we'll see what, what goes on. But I think it's, you know, it's significant that a, a, at least another team around the league like recognizes what he did and, and wants at least a chance to interview him. You know, AP, like, um, you know, whether or not he gets the Raiders job or even if he doesn't get the Titans job, I think it's a good sign that people are taking note of what he did this year and, whether it's, you know, as a defensive coordinator, maybe with somebody else or something of that nature. I mean, we've seen that in the past where teams bring in executives or coaches for head jobs and end up hiring them to do something else. I mean, that's how the Raiders ended up with Champ Kelly um, in the building. And so I, I don't think he'll uh, be hurting for for finding a team that, that wants his services this offseason, even if he doesn't get the Raiders job. I'm thinking about Bisaccia. Didn't he interview with the uh, with the Bears, I think, for head coaching job? That sounds right. So I think these guys, both these guys, did a great job. And kind of people around the league notice, like you don't hear that often players buy in as openly and as vocally and as loudly as these guys did, now, not only with Basaccia, but even more so probably with, with AP this year. So I think if you're a GM or an owner, you're like, you know what, hey, I wouldn't mind seeing that on my side. I wouldn't mind seeing that. I don't know about the cigar smoke, but everything else, I wouldn't mind seeing that You know, on my team. Let's, let's give him a call and see what, maybe get some ideas off him, see what worked for him, and, and maybe it clicks, maybe he's, he's your guy.
And speaking of cigars, you see the Seahawks tried to copy it and, and they got nothing but hate. Like it was it was a big deal that the Seahawks were smoking cigars after their season finale. I mean, they had to they all had to come out and talk about it. And, and, and everyone was was going crazy about the Seahawks smoking cigars. Nobody cares about the Raiders doing it, but they do it in Seattle. and Everyone gets mad. There's one thing when you already know that you're not making the playoffs. When you find out that day and you're smoking cigars. And come on, man, we can't be. Well, I, I think one of their players came out and said, they had the cigars. They were saving it because, um, you know, one of the players just had a kid. Yeah, and they, they were celebrating the, the birth oh, of the kid. See? That's beautiful. Yeah. He had them the week before, but they lost. And so the vibe wasn't right. So they had to wait till they won. And the cigar smoke, it's, it's spreading, man. People, people are buying it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What do we make of the GM search? I mean, I know they are, you know, making a lot of requests. Uh, do we still feel like it's a champ? It's Champ Kelly's job to lose, and and you know they're kind of doing the due diligence that they have to do. I mean, like interviewing Tom Telesco. Like, are you really going to hire Tom Telesco as your GM? No, you're probably bringing him in to find out uh, some some charges intel. But uh, what do we make of the GM search for night right now? Yeah, I mean, I'm still feeling leaning towards it being Champ that ends up being promoted as the full time GM. Um, they have requested interviews with. As of right now, six as as we're recording this, six outside candidates, and of those candidates, three of them are diverse candidates, and so um, you know they will have satisfied the Rooney rule. You know, even if the plan is to hire a champ, like obviously that's something that you have to do um, in the interview process, whether it's GM or head coach. But um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think you know there's also some familiar names on here. Uh, you know, Trey Brown from the Bengals is somebody that they interviewed. Each of the last two like times. Every time, right? Yeah, pretty much <laughs> yeah. every time that they have a GM open and they talk to him. So they must love him. And then Ed Dodds, um, you know, there is some Jim Harbaugh overlap there. You know, Ed Dodds used to got his start his NFL career, I believe, with the Raiders back in 03. And Jim Harbaugh was also on the coaching staff then. And so they kind of formed a relationship then. And so there's a lot of overlap between the two of them. And so I know we talked a lot about Jim Harbaugh. And I think Ed Dodds being, you know, he's assistant GM for the Colts right now, him being somebody that they're talking to i don't think that's purely coincidence you know even though they did interview him last time you know before they hired ziggler as well and so i think there's a couple of interesting names on there that you know you know may have some actual weight behind them but i, I do still feel like champ kelly's gonna end up being the guy 
Yeah, if you are young, you're a candidate for a GM job, I think you go in and thinking, you know what, well, just get me in the room and I'll, I can try and win this guy over and you know, share my vision and why it makes me special. And I think if you're Mark Davis, he's proven to be pretty impressionable. I think if you go in there and you dominate the interview, you probably have a better shot than you did coming in. I know it's at this point, maybe it's more just doing research and homework. When you hear other people's you know opinions on your roster, like I remember last time when they brought these guys in, a lot of it was Mark Davis getting kind of the the word on Derek Carr, what people thought about Derek Carr's ceiling and that kind of stuff was. So you get these ideas from the outside of what they think about your roster and it kind of give you some more perspective. So I think um, I think it is open. I don't think Mark's doing this for the hell of it, but I do think Champ is still leader in the clubhouse. And I think um, yeah, Mark wants to see what people have to say. People, He, he wants to be impressed. And I think um, that's why these things are never a done deal till they're over. All right, guys, we're going to jump over to our awards. State of the Nation awards, always fun times, uh, always always fun votes. And we're going to get right to the top with MVP. We had several awards that were unanimous. Actually, the first three, we're going to go MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, all unanimous winners. Um, MVP, I think we all are not surprised to know that Max Rosby is our unanimous winner. Uh, a surprise for me, second place finisher, Robert Spillane. Second place in the MVP voting, uh, third place with uh, with three votes. So Max Crosby, 12 votes, you know, the whole 3-2-1 voting. Uh, Roberts Plain, four votes. Devontae Adams finishes third with three votes. Then a tie for fourth, Jack Jones and Marcus Epps each collect a vote. Marcus Epps? Yeah. Oh. yeah. I had Robert Spillane. I had Robert Spillane number two. I mean, I feel like he, uh, I know toward the end of the season, we had talked about him enough, so we kind of stopped talking about him. But, I mean, he led the team in tackles. You know, he's one of the best pass coverage linebackers in the league this season and made impactful plays with interceptions. Also, obviously, a force in, in the run game, became a team leader in short order. I think he's somebody that, you know, part of it is like not many people expected him to play that way because he never played anywhere close to it. And so, you know, I think he was you know right behind Max Crosby in terms of being, you know, the most impactful player um, on the defense this year. All right, on to Offensive Player of the Year. Um, the offense was so bad this season, so was, this was not easy. But uh, we still did have, have a unanimous winner. That's Devontae Adams with uh, all four of our first-place votes. Uh, second place is Jacoby Myers with five votes. Um, a three-way tie for third between Josh Jacobs, Jermaine Illuminor, and Colton Miller with two votes each. And Aiden O'Connell picks up one vote, one third-place vote. Yeah, I think Devontae was an easy choice. I don't think anybody else was really anybody else to kind of I mean Julian Myers had a nice year. I thought it was a nice second piece. And to kind of in making this ballot out, you kind of again question why this team had such a hard time scoring, because definitely was some talent on this roster. So uh yeah, Devontae had a nice year, not a great year, but um clearly he reminded us again on Sunday with some of those plays of why he is uh, why he's the guy. All right, moving on to defensive player of the year. He was our MVP. No surprise that Max Crosby is our unanimous winner for Defensive Player of the Year, getting all 12 votes, uh, all, all of our first-place votes. Uh, second place, Robert Spillane. Third is a three-way tie, Malcolm Coons, Jack Jones, and Marcus Epps, each with two votes, and Trayvon Merrick uh, with one vote to come in sixth place. Obviously, Max Crosby's the, the easy choice. You know, all the snaps he's played, how – I mean, it's just ridiculous when you watch the film, you know, how important he is to this defense as far as disrupting things on our – in the run and pass game. I, I did want to give Marcus Epps a, a shout out. I know Spillane was extremely valuable too, but I did talk to, I talked to Patrick Graham the other day and he talked about how valuable Marcus Epps was as far as communicating and really solidifying um, the, this pass defense. You know, I, I think we saw everybody's level kind of jump up a little bit, especially Trayvon Morick with, with Epps in the lineup. So um, yeah, I just wanted to give him a little shout out with the vote there. 
basically Patrick Grant influenced your votes and is the reason Marcus F <laughs> picked up defensive player of the year and MVP votes. Got it. All right. Rookie of the year. Uh, this one was uh, balloting was kind of all over the place, but uh, our winner is Trey Tucker gets nine votes. Michael Mayer had six votes. Aiden O'Connell with five and Tyree Wilson with four votes. Uh, so pretty tight voting nine, six, five and four. But Trey Tucker wins our rookie of the year award. And for me, the difference was that, you know, uh, Mayor got hurt at the end of the year. I think Tucker played some of his best ball the last month of the year. Definitely see him getting better as far as the hands and the route running. And we all know about his speed. So looks like a guy will be a nice piece to this offense going forward. And now we got the biggest surprise, biggest positive surprise. And uh, this one was close to unanimous, uh, picking up 11 votes with Malcolm Koontz. Second place, Robert Spillane with six. Uh, Jack Jones with four comes in third. Then Thayer Munford with two. And Amik Robertson was one. I mean, this is an award that I think a lot of times we have a hard time picking, like, you know, a positive surprise. This year we had a lot of good candidates. And, uh, you know, Malcolm Koontz, obviously we saw the surge at the end of the season. But uh, so, so no surprise. But, I mean, obviously Robert Spillane could easily won this award as well. And Jack Jones being a waiver claim and, and doing what he did. A uh, lot, lot of good candidates here, right? Yeah, I mean, I had Spillane number one, but definitely no issue with Koontz. I mean, you know, given he went from basically not playing at all his first two years in the league to being bar none, like one of the most effective pass rushers in the league this season, um, it was a pretty dramatic jump. Um, I mean, he's in terms of pressure rate, he's up there with some of the best pass rushers in the league, um, had eight sacks, so it translated to sacks as well. And, um, you know, even improving in the run game a little bit. And so he looks like a guy that could be you know, if not a starter, at least a, a key fixture in a defensive line rotation, you know, next season. I was going to add that early in the year, um, like maybe for a couple of games, uh, Max Crosby was talking up uh, Koontz and Deshaun uh, and I both looked like, what, really, Malcolm Koontz? Is he kind of, he's coming on? Like, huh, I guess I'm not seeing it. But it speaks to both Max's leadership and also to how hard Malcolm worked this year to get, uh, to get better. So definitely a, a nice uh, award for him. No coincidence that the two guys that are at the top of this list are guys that uh, Max Crosby has really kind of taken under his wing, right? I mean, if if you if you join this Raiders defense and you kind of try to follow the mold of Max Crosby, that's, that's probably pretty smart. All right, now the 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 biggest disappointment of the year. Um, Ooh, it's a tough one. The ladies are not going to like this. Jimmy Garoppolo is our winner with six votes. But the voting was very tight. Uh, two, two guys came in a tie for second that were only one point off with five votes. We have Tyree Wilson and Chandler Jones. Then uh, Marcus Peters and Josh McDaniels each pick up three votes. And Brian Hoyer picked up two votes. Actually, I think Brian Hoyer was one vote. I'm sorry. Brian, Brian Hoyer, Hoyer disappointed you? <laughs> what? Two votes. Vic, Vic had him as his second place uh, uh, on his list. So Brian what were Hoyer your expectations? <laughs> his expectations were here, and then he was down it. I mean, he, he cost McDaniels his job. If he doesn't play Hoyer that week, I mean, Josh probably still the coach. So I think that's um, the biggest positive surprise then that he cost positive? the job. I thought we said whatever, but um, yeah, or whatever. I mean, it's, that was a t- I actually totally forgot about Chandler Jones, which is kind of funny. I probably should have had him on my ballot, but uh, I guess it was like a I person. totally forgot about Garoppolo because I just I didn't have that high of expectations for him. I mean, also Chandler's going through some stuff, so I don't want to judge him too much. So I kind of I think it's okay. I left him off the ballot. He's got a whole little different thing going on. Yeah, I had, I had McDaniels in my first place vote just because ah. we knew none of us were high on him, that high on him. But like you, you just figured a guy going into his second year and his second time on the job, like he has to be better. Um, and he was not. That's why he's unemployed. But and the offense was terrible. And that, that's, that was his baby. So, yeah, that's a good point. I should have had him on my belt. My belt was terrible. Man, I missed Chandler and Josh. I mean, we had a lot of options here. All right. Everybody's favorite award, the Warm Bum Award, um, term created by Vic. And, uh, our winner this year, 
guy was not on my ballot, but congratulations, Bo Hardigree. Bo Hardigree. Interim, the interim offensive coordinator. Oh, I feel bad about that one. Our war, our, our war bub award. Did fault. you say you forgot about that one, Ted? That was no, I said I, I, I said I, I said I feel bad for that one. It's not his fault. You only voted for for one person. And, well, see, Vic, I counted your offensive coaching staff. Okay. Vote. That that I counted that. That's fair. I, I, I gave. What was the reaction for it? It's the fucking. <laughs> <laughs> some actually, some actually brought him out his name. That's why. Like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, see, Vic, Vic went generic and just put offensive coaching staff, and I'm like, okay, you, the, you guys voted for Bo Hardigree. I'm like, I've got to count that as a vote for Bo Hardigree. I mean, he is leading the offensive staff. Anyway, last year we put Patrick Graham as, as the guy, and he went and put together the sixth ranked defense in the league. He ain't giving no fucking, we ain't giving grace to Bo Hardigree for it. His offense stunk. It was awful. Like I mean, you know, I mean, I, but it wasn't, I don't know what. Yeah. what I mean, but it wasn't his offense. So. I mean, if, I mean, he's a Patriots guy. What, what, what other offense was he going to run? Let me run down the rest of the voting. Second place, we had a tie: Jimmy Garoppolo and Hunter Renfro. Uh, and then uh, following up in fourth place with three votes, we had Tyree Wilson, and then two votes for Aiden O'Connell. Tyree Wilson's got who? They're gonna get rid of Tyree Wilson? I'm not gonna get rid of him, but that's I mean, what like, means. Means you're, that you're, you're on the hot seat. No, right? so that was not me. Award, that was not me. Who was that, Jimmy? Warm bum. After one year, on the hot seat. Not that they're gonna necessarily get rid of him, but I mean, like if he if if he's if he's bad, if, if he doesn't make an impact in year two as a top ten pick, like you're going to be in trouble. His bum's still cold. It's not warm. Uh, he's going to end. I mean, he'll enter next season on the hot seat. That's how I approach that one with him. All right. Yeah, I mean, I guess Vic is right. It'll be cold because it'd be be on the bench behind Malcolm Coons. Ah, right. Oh, hey, that's that's nice time. It worked out well. All right, everybody. That'll wrap up our award edition of State of the Nation. Uh, always fun to do the show. Um, we will be back. I. I Presume probably next week we'll, we'll you know we'll, we'll kind of see how the uh, the coaching and GM search goes and and wait for some news and um, you know we haven't I don't think worked out exactly our, our off season schedule yet but um, you can be sure when there is a new coach we'll be uh, we'll be here to break it down and uh, you know, we'll look forward to watching the rest of this off season and, and see how this uh, team comes together see if they make a big swing or if they bring back AP. All right, guys. See you soon. Adios. All right, guys. Later. All right, take it back. All right, good stuff. I learned something. Little ass boy. He keeps calling everybody little ass boy. Hey, little ass boy. I'm like, I'm little out here, but not always, you know.